Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 73. It's now been 29 weeks, six days, since I began this experiment where I podcast my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And today I'm sitting down here on a very hot day in Southern California under the tree on my podcast rock. Mark and I were going to go bike riding today, but we just woke up too late and it was too hot, so we decided to skip it. So I swapped my schedule and went ahead, came down to the park to record this show today rather than tomorrow. And that ties in really well to some of the things that I want to speak about today. When we come back from listening to our inspirational snippet by Josh Woodward of I'm Letting Go, I'm going to offer a few thank yous. I want to read some great responses about my boundaries show that I talked about on day 71 and how that's impacted me. I want to give you some comments that Kendra has gotten back to her question about mourning the loss of food when you kind of start doing better and you don't have food as your go-to. And we're going to have a joke by the unknown foolish funner just before the end of the show. Then I'm going to finish up with a question from brave companion Amy from Wisconsin about intuitive eating and just how much should you eat. Lots going on. So Josh, take it away while I ponder what to let go of. But I'm letting go. Thank you, Josh. Every single time I hear that snippet of I'm letting go, it still brings peace to me and reminds me of just how far we've come together on this journey. Today, the thing I realize I need to let go of is kind of related to day 71 when I had all those technical snafus and I said I had to let go of making something happen right now when there's a disaster. But I think I also have to let go of my dependency on schedules. I really like schedules. I like to book your time way in advance. I like to know what I'm doing. I really like to have a diary, like an appointment diary where I know this is coming up, this is coming up, this is coming up, and how everything should fit into that. Well, that technical snafu early in the week really blew my whole schedule. It really did. For example, Alan Standish and I had agreed that we were going to do our next interview last Tuesday. I was going to walk around the park and had that all settled. And all of that fall to all happened on Monday evening. So it really kind of destroyed my sense of time and place and what was going to happen to email Alan and say, I just can't do it. I'm going to be up too late and I'm going to be dealing with this stuff. So I just can't do the interview with you on Tuesday. And he was very supportive and kind with that. And so we rescheduled. We're going to do it this coming month. I'm sorry, this coming Wednesday. So that worked out okay. 
also then that Tuesday when I would have been doing the interview with Alan and doing my normal stuff, I spent all of that day re-uploading my episodes. So that day didn't turn out the way I wanted. It also meant that I was overly tired on Wednesday. So I realized that much as I wanted to, I just could not attend my regular writing group. So I did not do that. I sent my regrets and said, I hope you all have a good time. And I stayed home and rested. But I still didn't sleep good, so on Thursday I was so tired and had so much things to catch up on that I completely blew this webinar that Cheryl had sent me that I was going to go to all about using the software that's good for writers and I wanted to use it maybe for my ebook. And I completely spaced that over. So Thursday I spent doing kind of odds and ends and sleeping and doing things that had nothing to do with that webinar. So that was also off my plate, right? In fact, the whole week last week was nothing like my penciled in calendar or my schedule or my expectations whatsoever. And I gotta be honest with you, Brave Companions, that really kind of like screwed with my mind. I was very unhappy that things just were not going as I expected. There's that expectation word again. Schedules are nice for us controlling kind of compulsive people because that gives us the sense of we know what's happening in the world. We know what's going to happen. We know what to expect. We can prepare ourselves. If there's a social event, we know it's coming up. We can prepare ourselves if that's an issue. You know, and then this darn life happens. And if you're alive, life is always gonna happen. Something's always gonna come up. Something's always gonna change in that schedule that you so tenderly put together. So Brave Companion, what was the result of all of these changes to my schedule? Well, really nothing much has happened, right? I did miss my writing, so that means I've written a little bit less than I would have. I didn't do my interview with Alan, but I've got one more great story to tell him next week when we meet. Cheryl told me about the software, so I still can try it. You know, I got an extra bonus show in because I needed to test what was going on with my media host. So that worked out well. So I guess my takeaway is, one, I don't have control. Two, schedules are nice as a planning tool, but they do not protect you from the unexpected. So even if you make a schedule, you kind of need to figure, well, this is what I penciled in, but it doesn't mean that that's going to happen. You know, flat tires, sickness, emergencies, other things that impact you can come up. And on the other side of that is to realize that even if somebody else has agreed to meet with you, just like an emergency could have come up for Alan and that would have changed our meeting. And I would have had to say, okay, right? You don't say, well, Alan, it's on the calendar. So too bad, whatever's going on with you, I, you have to stick to it. And I realized that in the past, I might've felt that way a little bit. If it was on the calendar, it was in stone and my compulsion to make things go as I expect would be very, very upset and uncomfortable if other people needed to change the schedule that I had already created for myself, if that makes any sense to you. I think I've gotten much more warm and fuzzy and much more flexible as I have been on this journey with you, Brave Companions, and I have been facing my feelings 
dealing with my disappointments, dealing with my fears, and just realizing how deep the tentacles of control is in my personality and in my coping mechanisms. And I realize that every vestige of my scheduling control is all about me trying to feel safe. Control, I think, is usually about trying to feel safe. If I can control events, if I can pick the restaurant, if I can pick the time of day, whatever it is that I'm doing, it gives me that feeling of the world is not chaotic. The world has an order. The world feels a lot safer. But the reality is that's not really true. Now, I'm not advocating that we all just say, oh, whatever, let's just be spontaneous fun bunnies and make no plans. I mean, you know, I need to save up in order to pay my taxes on time. I need to know certain dates, like we've got tickets to go to shows, we've got season tickets to see some plays. I need to know that this day we're going to this place. So no, I'm not available to go to your party or to help out with your volunteer event or something. It is important to kind of have a framework of what's going to happen in your life so that you can consider what's going on. But as I said early on, at least for me, I need to let go of the idea that once it's on the schedule, it's set in stone, and it is a disaster if something changes. It's horrible if something changes. No, it just means that life is going in a different direction than I was expecting at that time. And not all detours on life's direction turn out to be bad things. We've talked before about my bike accident turned out to be a blessing thus far. I've had to deal with a lot of physical problems. I've had to deal with a sudden change in career. I've had to deal with a lot of adjustments in my life due to that unexpected bike accident that happened. But now I'm much happier with the life that I have. And I don't know that I would have had this life or tried for this life if I'd remained healthy, happy, and well, and was able to ride that century all those years ago, and if I kept working in my corporate job until my regular retirement age, I don't think I'd be talking to you right now. I certainly don't think I would. And if anything, I probably still would be on a diet if I was trying to lose weight to get back into my business suit and binging and dieting because that's what I had done my entire career. So that detour certainly was a blessing, even though it was not easy. And even these little snafus, like having to redo all of my episodes, was not easy. But I got some good out of it also. I learned how I feel about this technology and what I have to go through with it. I met some other people from different companies so I've got some other options in future. And I really just learned a lot about how I respond to emergencies at this point in time. And before we leave this topic, I just want to tell you that one of the impacts of that whole snafu on my own website, compulsiveovereatingdiary.com, is I used to have a menu link called Show Archive. And that went to my media host where you could listen to all of my episodes right there on one page. That was generated automatically when I posted my episodes and synced with them. 
Well, their sinking mechanism was what caused me trouble, so I can no longer sink with them. So that page is no longer viable. It's all messed up, in other words, and there's no way to fix it. So what I did about it is I moved up a feature that I've always had, but it was kind of for myself, on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com. There's an episode menu, and what I did is I moved it up right under the search box. So if you are on your computer, it is the second thing on the right-hand side where all the little widgets are. And if you're on your phone, it is the second little widget below all the show op- the show episodes that you see. And on that menu, if you pop it up, you will see every single episode from the newest to the first. So like if you say, oh, I really want to go to day 67 again, you can pop up that episode menu, choose episode 67, go right there and listen to it on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com. Now you can do the same thing if you have access with, you know, iTunes, you can go there and click on episode 67 to listen to it. Or even if you're on Stitcher, you guys can search, you know, for episode 72, 54, whatever one that you want to listen to. So I just wanted to give you that heads up that I made that change because I no longer have my archive page available to you. Before moving on with some of the great comments and thoughts I have about the different topics I've been discussing the last couple of days, I want to give a big thank you and shout out to Helen because not only did she do a fantastic job on Foolish Fun last last episode, but she took the time to rate Compulsive Overeating Diary with a five-star review on UK iTunes. She says, five stars. Brilliant podcasts have listened to all very much recommend. A wonderful lady, brave enough to share her life's ups and downs with us all and to let us know we are not alone with this issue. Thank you so very much. And I say, thanks to you, Helen, because it makes such a difference in the search results when a show gets a five-star rating and reviews count even more. And I want to thank you again for the foolish fun. And Brave companions, be sure to go back and listen to day 72 right around minute 16 and 20 seconds if you haven't heard Helen's funny joke. It really made me laugh out loud. Now, I want to stop for a minute and talk about those of you that are financially supporting the show. So if you don't like to hear that, skip ahead for a couple of minutes. But I want to say thank you, U.S. Amazon shoppers. Wow, you guys have been clicking away like crazy and buying through my link. And those pennies are really adding up to help me keep the show going in future. And I really, really appreciate it. So remember, if you are an Amazon customer in the USA, UK, or Canada, you can support the show when you are ready to order and buy something on Amazon by clicking by clicking first through my Amazon link for your country at compulsiveovereatingdiary.com slash Amazon. It won't cost you one single penny more, but the pennies that I get from you taking the time to do that, as I said before, really do help me keep the lights on with this podcast. And the other way that you can help financially is to join the Coffee Clatch. 
If you don't really want to go shopping today at Amazon, but you do want to support the show by donation, you can join the Compulsive Overeating Diary Coffee Clutch by buying me one or more cups of $5 coffee now and again, or by subscribing for a monthly donation at CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com. You can click the coffee button there, or there's a subscription menu of the size of coffee of your choice. And once you've donated one cup of coffee or more, you become automatically a member of the Coffee Clutch email list. And this list is basically where I share where the support is going, tell the best coffee jokes I can find, give you special looks ahead at what's coming up for the show, and express all-around thank yous to you. And I am never, ever, 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 ever going to spam any of my lists, and especially not this one. This Coffee Class lit, Coffee Cat... I can't say it. Coffee Clatch List is all about my endless gratitude for those of you that take the time to donate out of your pocket to help support this show. Thank you so much. Okay, those of you that were fast forwarding, it's safe to come back now. (laughs) I'm going on with the show. On day 71, Shawnee L. got a place on the Bravery Report for allowing her story to be used from the Bravery Hotline, and I put myself on the Bravery Report big time by actually expressing to you, brave companions, my own truth about unasked-for advice versus support, and I got some really great responses. Stephanie from Quebec took time to pop in from her ongoing house renovations that have been filling up her time of late, and she says, Hi, BCs. Great story, Shawnee. I love your voice. Lori, I salute your courage. It must have been very stressful to release this show, but then again, felt so good to let it all out. Diane, I was majorly touched by your phone call in the last episode, and I hope that you also have this great sense of relief by telling us. Saying the truth out loud is such a big part of a successful journey. Be proud of your bravery, ladies. Then Cheryl had a thoughtful comment. How often have I just bit my tongue instead of saying what I should in order to get my needs met? Hmm? 63 years. This is a huge step you took. Must admit, I ventured into that countryside a time or two with my sister, trying to set some boundaries about advice. See my comment from the last podcast. And it's never gone well for me. So I think it's amazing that you were brave enough to put that out there. Sometimes people don't like what happens when we start to get healthy because our reactions to them begin to change, and they don't know how to respond to the new us. Sometimes it means they have to change too. I don't think you'd find that among that anyone here, and I've never felt that you came across as having all of the answers. It's all good, as my son says. Just wanted to say your comment about slowing down when you journal or do an audio diary is so spot on. It's like when you slow down enough, you can hear what you're actually thinking between the lines. But as you were talking about it, I realized how much of a companion my own journal has become to me. It never accuses or shames. Making that step to be open, verbally honest with people is a whole nutter creature. Putting yourself out there like you did in the podcast today is such a risk, but then relationships always involve risks. It's just one more way you're getting healthy. It's kind of cool, actually. 
New BC Sue celebrates being all the way caught up with the episodes. Yay, Sue's great job! And she chimes in about unwanted advice. I am caught up and in the present with the gang. Yay! I just wanted to say I appreciate this podcast. I never felt like you were telling me what I ought to do. Your thoughts always sound supportive and accepting. My mom is the queen of unwanted advice. I just try and cheerfully say, thank you for your unsolicited opinion. This may sound snarky, but it's more positive than years of internalizing criticism and hating myself. Her opinion shouldn't have that kind of power. Now to figure out how to get all of the other opinions out that I let in years ago. Shawnee, giving you a standing ovation for sharing your story. Like Lori's podcast today, that was a huge step. And I'm guessing a lot of us identified with where you're coming from. Way to go, girl. XX. Diane the Champion also had this to say. Bravo, Lori. That was very brave of you to let that go. I think we have all been guilty of giving unsolicited advice at one time or another. I know I have. But it irritates me when someone else does it to me. So I'm going to be more aware of it and make sure that I don't. I'm proud of you. Donnie wraps up all of my thoughts from that difficult episode with these comments. Shawnee, it's great to feel what you're feeling. Hopefully you're rest assured knowing you're not alone. It's awesome to know and feel that I'm not alone in feeling and thinking what I feel. You're awesomely brave. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for what you do enabling us to hear and meet these types of friends, Lori. Miss Lori, you get the crown, the bravery tiara. So proud of you. Now I truly understand why you were having reservations as to whether or not you should post this podcast. Glad you did. One thing I've learned is we have to ask for what we need because if we don't, people don't know and cannot support us in the best way to meet our needs. And my two cents, for what they're worth, I've never taken anything you said as you are telling me what to do and hopefully I've not done that to you. However, if I have, I know now that you don't care for that and would be far more conscious and aware of not doing it since you've expressed your desire to not have that happen to you. You may not have the professional answers or advice. However, you do have the personal experience, advice, opinion, answers, and I feel that you've only ever expressed things from the personal, what works for me standpoint. And I have never interpreted it to be anything more or less than that. We all have our own journeys, and I've gotten a lot out of listening to others, as I once told you. I would not just take what anyone says or writes or even publish for that matter as a set in stone miraculous cure of the woes of the world because uh, if that were the case, we wouldn't have any of these sorts of issues, needs, or problems, laughing out loud. I hope you feel much better now. I sensed your sincere hesitation and reservations. But again, I am super proud of you for being so brave and asking for what you need. Well, thank you, Donnie and Cheryl and the rest of you who took the time out to post those supportive comments. Because I have to tell you, that was another watershed episode for me, that episode 71. That just goes to show how uncomfortable I am in even thinking about expressing my own needs at the expense of anyone else. Now, obviously, I don't want to become a selfish bee that just sits around all day, you know, being the queen and thinking that everyone ought to make their life, make my life comfortable. That's not what it's about. 
it's when something is hurting you yourself, brave companion, when another person's actions or putting their good is actually hurting you and beyond you deciding to make a sacrifice. You know, when I give money or time to a charity, that's a sacrifice. If I give money to a charity, that's money I'm not spending on going to shows or travel or buying groceries for myself, right? If I give my money away, I give my money away. But that's a sacrifice I'm choosing to make. And usually if I'm giving something to charity, it's because I believe in that cause and I want to make that sacrifice, okay? That type of thing is not what I'm talking about. Or maybe you hear that your friend is going to be moving and they need your help. And you hate moving day, you hate it. But you really like your friend and you realize they don't have the financial wherewithal to move easily. And so you make a choice inside yourself. I hate packing, I hate moving, but I am going to go help out my friend. That's not what I'm talking about either. It's that old people-pleasing button that we have where we have to turn ourselves into pretzel doormats no matter what. Even when we get that sick feeling in our stomach, even when it doesn't feel good, even when it comes to the point where we actually feel like what's inside of us is becoming lesser, that we are becoming less of ourselves as we give in to meet the needs of others. And if I continued not saying what I had to say and just smiling but feeling badly, the risks are, as I mentioned a little bit before, is I'm a runner. I run away. And if I let things that were making me uncomfortable with this show continue to make me uncomfortable, the end result might be in the end that I would feel the compelled to just say, screw it, I'm done, this, this whole podcast is over. And I'm giving you my word, I am not going to do that. If for some reason I need to shut down this podcast, I will let you know. But I'm just letting you know from my past history, I will drop friendships, I will leave the state, I will move. I will, if I get too much out of my comfort zone, in the past, my big coping measure big coping way is to run, to leave, to check out. And, you know, that makes total sense with the robot aliens too. What did I do with the food is I would check out with the food. I would not face my feelings. I would not be assertive. I would not do what I needed to do to take care of myself or take care of the situation. And in the rest of my coping mechanisms has been to swallow my feelings, put a smile on my face, try to be agreeable, do whatever you want, have the perception of perfectionisms, thinking that people would all love me more, and I would chip away at myself. And this has been what I have done since I was a very, very small kid. And I've done it all these years. And to hell with this 30 days for a new habit crap. I mean, 55 years to overcome your natural coping mechanisms takes some time and thought. And Brave Companions, as sure as heck, is not comfortable. It's not a super fun walk in the park, even though I am having fun walking in the park. <laughs> so I guess that wasn't my best analogy. But I'm proud of myself 
that I released that episode. And thank you, Donnie, because I was going back and forth with Donnie on Facebook. Donnie, I recorded this, but I don't know that I'm going to release it. I have to think about it. And she's like, please, please release it. Send it to me at least. Well, one, these files are just way too big, Donnie, and I cannot send them to you, even if I wanted to send them to you. <laughs> They're just too big. But, you know, I really said I'm not going to feel pressured because Donnie wants to hear it, that I'm going to release it. Now, Donnie, that wasn't your fault, but that was really going through my mind, is that, wow, Donnie really, really wants to hear this, so I ought to release it right away. But the voice inside myself was saying, Lori, you haven't come to decision about whether these are feelings you actually want to release as part of your podcast lineup, and it would be to your good to take your time and come to a decision that feels right to you inside one way or another. So it worked out that, yes, you all got to hear what I was feeling on day 71. Though, as I said, that was a really tough one for me to release. But the result is, besides you all being supportive, and I thank you so much for that, both on Facebook, Karen Garden Girl let me know how much she supports me setting my boundaries. Donnie also supported me on Facebook. Others of my Facebook buddies supported me on Facebook. You know. In fact, I told you I was scared that I would see this huge drop-off of everybody unliking my page and everybody unsubscribing from the blog, unsubscribing from the email list, and see my podcast numbers just plummet immediately after saying what I said. And nothing could be further from the truth. At this point in time, since that episode aired, I haven't had a single loss of blog subscriber nor Facebook unlike. Now, it doesn't mean to say that that won't happen, because as I say, it does. You know, people either get tired of listening or they move on or whatever. Whatever reason, compulsive overeating diary is no longer what they want to listen to, and that's just the facts of life. It's part of podcasting. It's part of blogging. You know, for sure, not everybody in the world is going to agree with what I have to say. And I think it is a testament to my growth that I can tolerate it and not be in my bed crying, you know, big crocodile tears, because that is how those kinds of things used to affect me. You heard it in episode four when I'm crying, you know, oh, woe is me, there's nobody here commenting on what I have to say, nobody likes me, nobody liked my old podcast, oh no. And those things used to just pierce my soul so badly to feel that what I had to say was not important. And now, thanks to the support of you guys, and thanks to my work in therapy, and thanks to dealing with my emotions through intuitive eating instead of dieting and binging, I am learning to tolerate the idea that I am not perfect. I'm learning to tolerate the idea that you are you, and you have your own thoughts and feelings. And just because you don't agree with me does not mean that I'm bad. And it doesn't even mean that you think I'm bad. You know. When things don't fit, they don't fit. There's great jobs that other people would love that I would not like to do. There's movies that people would love that I don't want to see. There's food that people love to eat that I don't want to eat. And it's all, it's all part, I think, of getting to know ourselves so that we can become more true in our own truth and to express it.
Now that we've been on the deep, deep train of self-anguish and self-examination, Kendra posted an interesting question for us on day 70. She says, I kind of miss the good old days of eating to soothe. I know how wrong it is to use food to cover up feelings, but it sure is overwhelming sometimes. The feelings that I've ignored or denied are flooding in. What do you do when you can't turn to our old friend to help us? Maybe there is a mourning period where we lose our old friend, the food blanket. And I wanted to read you some of the responses she's gotten back from you. Here's part of my own comments on day 70 after she posted that question. Kendra, with eating, I think it is like when I quit work. If I didn't watch out soon after retirement, when I got in my car in the morning, I would start to drive to Los Angeles on autopilot just because I had done that very thing for so many years. I had to think not to drive to LA in the morning. I had to make a conscious choice out of what had been a routine unconscious act. My eating for comfort, for something to do when bored, for anger, for covering up feelings, all were automatic triggers too. So it is taking a lot of practice with conscious choice not to do that. And when I don't do that, sometimes there is a void. Rather like, well, where should I be driving in the morning if not to work? I am working on replacing the coping mechanisms with other things. Some have become automatic, like stopping to consider the story I will tell in the next episode when I want to eat when I'm not hungry. Some are not, like the autopilot snacker that wants to eat if the TV is on. I'm having to retrain my brain to watch TV without food. And to return to the question, yes, I mourn that. I love to mindlessly numb out with junk food and junk TV. I don't have to think about anything, and I stuff my face like a robot. The combo of brain drain with carbo-loading is very rhythmically soothing to my darting mind. Nothing else quite scratches that itch, and it makes me sad not to do that. I suspect this is where some form of meditation practice would be an alternative. But going to meditate doesn't yet have the same appeal as chips and top chef baby steps. Next up is the first of what Donnie has to say about this. Ah, Kendra and Lori, I'm in on this. Though I'm not quite to the point of lack of something to do as much as I am in the grief and mourning of there not being enough hungry to eat the foods and the varieties, etc., that I really want, laughing out loud. I'm learning one thing, though, is to eat first what I really, really like or want first. Because as a dieter, if you will, I was known to savor the best part for last. Not anymore. That is going down the gullet first. Ha ha ha. That way I'm sure not to miss out. Laughing out loud, laughing out loud. It's crazy. And sometimes I want something and I'm like, uh, wait, you got to be hungry enough to do that. Sigh. There's not enough room for all the things. It's sure eye-opening to me. I'll post the link to the rest of Donnie's comments on today's show notes so you can read the rest of them. Suze and Cheryl posted their answers to this question on day 72. Suze says, Also about Kendra's question, I get that. I think I'm afraid to let go of food as a comfort and reward. Even when I've been on a prescription for fentramine, there were days I avoid taking it. I couldn't articulate why. I wanted not to be plagued by appetite and cravings, but there must have been a part of me that wanted the pleasure and comfort of food more than I wanted relief from an overactive appetite. Cheryl says, Kendra, what a fascinating question. It makes such sense that somehow we would have to grieve the loss of one of our best coping mechanisms. Got to do some thinking about that. 
I do know that as long as I keep my hands busy, I don't use them to put things in my mouth. But I've never paid attention to what I'm actually feeling. If anything, when I substitute cross-stitch, for example, for food, I'm going to have to start observing my behavior. So, brave companions, I think there's a lot of thought about Kendra's question. Do you mourn food when you aren't using it to cope? How are you dealing with that grief and moving forward? If you haven't given your thoughts yet and you want to, please call the Bravery Hotline or use SpeakPipe or post on Day 70 to answer Kendra directly. Or you can post on today's show notes on Day 73 if you have some thoughts. You know, if you're too shy to post but you still want to talk about it, you can email me at laurie@compulsiveovereatingdiary.com or leave me your thoughts through the contact form anonymously. And now, brave companions, it's that time again for Foolish Fun with the Unknown Foolish Funner. <laughs> Lori presents Foolish Fun. <laughs> the feature where messing up is just part of the act. <laughs> A little foolish fun for you. What do you call a cow with no legs? Ground beef. <laughs> and if you love to be foolish too, call the Bravery Hotline and get your silly on. <laughs> I really like that joke, even though I realize it can be offensive to some of my vegan and vegetarian friends out there. When I was a school teacher, that joke was part of a series. There was that one about the ground beef. Then there was, what do you call the cow that has two legs? Lean beef. And what do you call a cow with no legs that you throw into the swimming pool? Bob. <laughs> And those kids would laugh and laugh and laugh. So I admit, you know, I don't know that it's fun to think about poor cows being mutilated, but that joke brought me back to how much those little kids enjoy those silly kind of jokes. So thanks again, Foolish Funner, for coming to brighten up our day. I wanted to wrap up our time here under the tree on the podcast rock down at my local park on the hot, hot day of Southern California by reading you a question from Amy from Wisconsin. She has been emailing me about her baby steps into intuitive eating, and today she posted this question for us and this thought for us all to consider. Amy says, I have recently started trying intuitive eating, and I'm reading the suggested book. The book may cover this, but I haven't gotten there yet. Right now, if I'm eating to a feeling of satisfaction, I am hungry again in two to three hours. If I eat enough to stay full, like for four to five hours, I feel stuffed and uncomfortable. Because I'm a teacher, I can't just eat when I'm hungry. I'm wondering if this is a stage or if anyone has any thoughts to offer. So, brave companions, just like we did for Kendra's question, if you have some thoughts, ideas, or comments about how much to eat when you're trying to eat intuitively, please call the Bravery Hotline, use SpeakPipe, or post on Day 72 to directly answer Amy, or post on today's show notes for Day 73. And here's a little bit of my take on it. 
as you know, I've been trying to do intuitive eating and working on these principles for several, several months now. And what I found is because of my past where I was either dieting or I was binging, that what I think in my brain is a proper amount to eat or how much food is enough is the full dieting portion, right? One slice of toast, one egg, one half apple or you know these these dieting portions that were kind of in my mind so when I would put my lunch or dinner out you know I might say okay here's half a sandwich here's a salad and you know four potato chips or five potato chips something like this and I might be like Amy then I would feel like satisfied I wouldn't be hungry I would think this was like on the hunger scale of a six or a seven but really it was probably closer to five Five is just that neutral feeling. I'm not hungry and I'm not full. Satisfied is more like six, seven, or eight, where you really lose interest in food. Now, for some of us, we are used to interpreting that feeling as I am stuffed so full, I have to unbutton my pants. But I've learned that really my hunger and not hunger is more about energy and the energy that I feel about being able to get things done and less about like my stomach growling or feeling completely stuffed in my tummy. And everybody who's been going on and on and on and on about that darn 20 minutes and eating slow and chewing your food and all of that stuff that I'd never wanted to do turned out to be right. It does take about 20 minutes for your brain and the, the nerves in your gut because your gut is actually communicating. A lot of what you feel in satisfaction is coming from the sensors in your stomach, talking to your brain. And then you become aware, oh, I've had enough. And for the first several months of this intuitive eating thing, this was a very mechanical process for me. Okay, here I am having the lunch. Let me eat a little bit put my fork down, let me chew it 20 times, let me taste this delicious flavor. And God, I hated doing that. That felt so crummy when what I really wanted to do is just eat as fast as I could and <laughs> eat even some more and watch TV instead of paying attention to the food. This was awful. I said, if I have to live the rest of my life chewing everything 20 times, I'm going to be so pissed off. But I kept at it and I realized, and I told you, Amy, and I Brave Companions, I know I did a show about this, but I don't remember off the top of my head, where I realized I was not serving myself enough food. I was serving myself the diet portion, thinking that was the correct amount to be eating, eating that, not being full enough, not being satisfied, and serving myself another amount of diet portion, and eating all of that, because I was so used after counting calories that whatever I served myself, I should eat it all. That for about a month, or more, I started serving myself more food than I could possibly eat. If I was going to eat French toast, I would put five pieces of French toast on the plate. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm not binging or haven't been like on an all-day bike ride, there's no way I'm going to eat five pieces of French toast in the morning. But I might eat a piece and a half, or I might eat two pieces, or I might eat two and a half pieces. So I would serve myself so much food that I could not eat it all. And that was how I ate slower 
because I didn't feel compelled to finish in order to get more food and put it on my plate. All this food was on my plate. So I spent time just eating it, enjoying it, evaluating, do I still want to eat some more? And part of it was, like we talked about before, if the food stops tasting as good as it did, that means you're getting close to, I've had enough. And eventually, you will learn to hear this little click in your head that just says, I've had enough. And sometimes, Donnie, I get pissed off too because that darn French toast is so delicious, I would like to be eating some more. But I've learned that when that click happens to just take a deep breath and either make a conscious choice, this is so delicious, I want to eat more and eat some more, or to wrap it up and put it away, or to toss it in the garbage if that would be an appropriate thing for that portion right then. And now I find that I am unconsciously serving myself as much food as my appetite dictates without having to think about it. And some days I am very much more hungry than other days. And usually a lot of it is, how much exercise did I have the day before? If I've had a really strenuous exercise day the day before, then I am very hungry the following day. I didn't know that. But that's what I found out from evaluating my body balance numbers. So I don't freak out about it. And I'm going to give you like a little mini result today. Like Mark says, I'm not going to tell you my opinion for an entire month because there's no good to give up obsession with the scale to coming up here every day and saying, how do I look, hon? How do I look, hon? How do I look, hon? So he's not going to be my scale substitute <laughs> except once a month. But today, I don't know why, but I felt kind of puffy, so I decided to try on these pants. And these are pants that I wore to Hawaii when I was 50, and I haven't been able to zip them on. In fact, I haven't been able to even pull them on ever since I put on that extra weight that started this show in the first place. In fact, I couldn't put them on before then. And today, I am wearing them. Now, I'm going to be very, very honest, and you can go to today's show notes on 73 and see the selfie of them. They are too friggin' tight. They are tight like we're laid down on the bed and sucking your stomach to make the zipper go up tight. But I am wearing them. I am wearing them today here on the podcast rock. And they're kind of cutting off my circulation a little bit, but I was so thrilled that I was actually wearing them that I did. But even if I couldn't zip them up, it would have just kind of been like, oh well, because I'm starting to really internalize what intuitive eating is about. And it's about food is fueling your body. It really isn't the I'm hungry, I'm not hungry diet. That technique of using the hunger scale and figuring out what you need to be satisfied, it's a tool. It's a tool for you to learn that. The end result is you don't want to think about it at all. You want to eventually have your hunger be your cue. Oh, it's time for me to have some energy. And what sounds good to me now? And to eat until you feel good and to have enough energy to do everything you want in your life and for your body to feel well nourished and for you to feel healthy and to not think about it anymore. And the big key for me is, well, I'm thrilled I'm in these pants I couldn't wear I have to accept that my body is however it is right now. It might go up in weight. It might go down in weight. It doesn't matter. I need to eat so that I feel good emotionally and physically. 
And as long as I do that, food does not get in my way with my relationships with others. And I have zero fear about food now. I mean, I have absolutely no fear. I can go out to any party, any restaurant. I can go to where they're offering you food in the grocery store. And if I don't want it, I just say no, and I don't have any angst about it. If I do want it, I eat that and enjoy it. Now, I'm not perfect for sure. This is all a process, and I still have my flubs and my misses. But overall, I am so over the moon happy with how things are turning out and how I feel inside myself that I just, for me, I'm very, very happy. So if you guys are taking baby steps with intuitive eating yourself, please do stop by 72 and answer Amy's question or 73 and let us know because we are all in this together. And let me make another thing plain. Like I said in that episode 71, our boundaries are not about you not sharing what's true for you. It's about not giving unasked for advice. Now, Amy asked us for our thoughts on this. So feel free. This is asked for thoughts and advice. Well, brave companions, I think it's time for me to get off this podcast rock, go home, take off these tight pants that I've been wearing and put on my comfy shorts and go on down to get my hair done with my big burly husband down at the salon. So until we meet again, brave companions, take care because I really, really care. A slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. And there I'll sit, I'll admit that I was only just a guest inside my skin.